0: Do you ever feel like God is finished with you? Like He has forgotten all about you and doesn't even know where you are or what you're going through in your life? Well, nothing could be farther from the truth. God knows exactly where you are. He knows exactly what you're facing. And the truth is, God has a plan to not only bring you through the difficulty you might be encountering right now. He has a plan to bring you through stronger and better off than you've ever been before. My name is John Redmond. I'm the associate pastor at First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas, and today on Peace by Believing, we're going to be talking about how God, in the midst of some of the most difficult things we face in life, can do some of His greatest work in our lives. This is a sermon that I preached to our church one Sunday night, and I pray that it will be a blessing to you today as you listen. I think most of us here tonight are familiar with the story of Job. We know that he was a good man. He was a godly man. He uh, tried to do what was right in his life. And one day, the devil appeared to God. He presented himself before God in heaven. And they began to have a conversation about Job. And I'm paraphrasing now that conversation, but in essence... The devil said to God, the only reason that Job is faithful to you, the only reason Job loves you, the only reason that Job is serving you is because you've been so good to Job. Look at all these things you've given him, all these needs that you've met. How could anybody not be grateful to you? for all these things. And so basically the devil was saying to God, if you take some of this away from Job, if Job begins to have some problems in his life, if from all outward appearances he's no longer quite as blessed, I believe that Job will curse you to your face. God responded to the devil in essence by saying, you don't know Job like I know Job. Job doesn't love me because of all the things I've done for him or because of all the things that I've given him. Job loves me because of me. I have a relationship with Job. That relationship is very meaningful to me, and that relationship is very meaningful to Job. And in fact, Satan, even if Job started having some problems in his life, I'll guarantee you he will not curse me. He will stay faithful to me. And this conversation goes on. And finally, God said to the devil, in fact, devil, to prove my point, I'm going to give you permission to rattle Job's cage, to jerk Job's chain. I'm going to give you permission to go down there and to cause some problems in Job's life, but there's one thing you cannot do. You cannot kill him. You cannot take his life. The Bible says that with those words, the devil departed from the presence of God and he went and he began to make things miserable in Job's life. And we studied that last Sunday morning. We saw, for example, that the first thing that happened, Job began to lose all of his money, all of his property, all of his livestock. He was the wealthiest man of his day and yet in one day, all of his wealth was gone. And so he's forced to deal with that financial loss. If that weren't bad enough, Job and his wife had 10 kids, and on the oldest child's birthday, all 10 of those siblings were together celebrating that birthday, and a strong wind blew through, and the roof of the house collapsed, and all 10 of Job's kids were killed on the same day. And one of Job's servants came to him and said, in essence, Job, I know you lost your oxen, and that was bad. You lost your sheep, and that was bad. You've lost many of your servants. That's been bad. You've lost so much of your money. This is horrible. But Job, something way worse than any of that has happened. Your children were all together having a birthday party, and the roof collapsed, and all 10 of your kids were killed on the same day. Can you imagine what it was like for Job? I I can't. I honestly cannot imagine. Some of you have lost children. Some of you have lost more than one child. I cannot in my Wildest imagination began to put myself in Job's shoes. What must that have been like for him? The stress that it put on Job's wife. We see a verse and we won't look at it tonight, but in Job chapter 2, Job's wife was so broken by the whole thing and Job was trying to stay faithful to God and to not get mad at God, but to trust God and so on. And finally, Job's, Job's wife became so exasperated by the whole thing that she said, Job, what you need to do is curse God and die. And Job said to her, you speak as one of the foolish women. This is not good advice. Your heart is broken. My heart is broken. But cursing God is not the answer. And then one of the most profound statements in all of the Bible, Job said, shall we accept good from God and not accept adversity? In other words, all these years he's saying to his wife, look, God's given us all these things. But listen. God is still in control. And so these things that have come into our lives have come to us from God. See, Job never knew about the conversation that had taken place between God and the devil. He didn't know the devil had brought all this in his life. He thought it came from God. But even though he didn't know what had happened, he still actually had a pretty good theology because ultimately God gave the devil permission. And so in a roundabout way, I mean, certainly God allowed it in a roundabout way. It came from God to begin with. And so Job said, listen, we're not going to curse God. We don't want to die. And we're going to keep on trusting him. When you go through things in life that are so horrible and so difficult and so painful that you can't see your way through them, many times you just conclude, my life is over. There's nothing else for me. Those I have loved the dearest are gone. The thing I have treasured the most has been removed. And God is finished with me. God wasn't finished with Job, and God's not finished with you. When you are going through a difficult time, an unexplainable time, something you don't understand. And did you know sometimes we go through experiences that God doesn't explain to us? In the Old Testament, the Bible says, The secret things belong to the Lord. Let's say that together. The secret things belong to the Lord. This was a secret thing in Job's life. He didn't understand. God didn't tell him. I don't know if Job ever knew why, he knows now in heaven, but I don't know if he ever knew on earth why this had happened. The secret things belong to the Lord. And yet when we're going through those times, we need to remember that the first thing God wants to do, he wants to do something in us, and then he wants to do something for us, and then he wants to do something through us. God wants to do something in us, for us, and through us. Say that with me. In us for us, and through us. First, God wants to do something in us. You say, John, what does God want to do? He wants to develop us and to make us into the people He created us to be. The first thing God wants to do in times like this, He wants to develop our faith, He wants to develop our praise so that we continue to praise God even when our hearts are broken. And he wants to develop our character. And he uses these experiences to make us more like Jesus. So that problems and heartaches are not our enemies. They're actually friends in disguise. And they're things that God will use to develop our character. Now, you're in Job. Go to chapter 23. And in the 23rd chapter... We see one of the greatest verses in all of the Bible. We looked at it last Sunday morning, but I want us to look at it again tonight. Job is in the middle of this mess that he's going through. And his faith has wavered. He was not Superman. He was not superhuman. He had his ups and he had his downs. He had his sinking spells. We all do. But in the midst of all of it, he stayed really pretty faithful. In verse number 10 of 23, Job said, but God knows the way that I take. Now just stop right there. See, Job didn't know the way that he was taking. Nothing made sense to Job, but he knew that God knew. And as long as we know that God knows, that's all we need to know to keep moving forward. And then Job said, when he has tested me, I shall come forth as gold. In other words, God will use the difficult experiences of your life and mine to purify us, to strengthen us, and to make us more like Jesus. And so much of life is perspective. It's how you look at things. When you go through a hard time, if you look at that as the end of the world... Or, you know, life's over and God's finished with me. Friend, you're just going down the wrong road. But if you look at a painful experience, and I know sometimes there is a grief process, especially if there's been a death, we have to work ourselves through the grieving. But as we come through that, God begins to clarify our thinking. And we begin to see this thing that I've been through may have been painful and may have even been bad. Some things we go through are bad. But God will use it for good. You remember the story in the Old Testament about Joseph and how his brothers turned against him and all the whole thing. And they treated him bad and they threw him in a pit and they sold him uh, and made money off of him. And they just treated him horribly bad. And at the end of the story, uh, Joseph said to his brothers, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. See, Dr. R.T. Kendall has written a book entitled, God Meant It For Good. Whatever you've been through, God means it for good, and He's developing us, and He's making us more like Jesus. Now, let's go to the second thing, because not only is God developing us, but when we think God is finished with us, God's, He's not finished blessing us. He is still in the blessing business, and I think sometimes this is where we struggle. We've had a loss, and we think, man, this has been so hard that I don't know that God will ever bless me again in in those same ways. Well, go back to Job chapter 1. I want you to get a feel for what God did in, in Job's life. And it's interesting, by the way, in the book of James, James makes a comment about Job's experience. And he talks about Job's perseverance and how he never gave up. He kept trusting God. He kept, even though nothing made sense, he kept believing. He kept serving God as best as he could. And, and James makes a comment. He, and he, he, Talking of Job's experience, he says, we have to remember. Now listen to this. The end intended by the Lord. The intended end. In other words, when Job was going through this, Job not only did he not understand it or couldn't see his way through it, he didn't know what was in God's mind. But see, God had an intended end. In other words, God had a a conclusion that that he was going to bring this, this, this story to a conclusion there was an intended end Job couldn't see it but tonight I want you to see what part of this intended end was Job 1 look at the first verse there was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job that man was blameless and upright and one who feared God and shunned evil Job tried to live right And seven sons and three daughters were born to him. So how many kids did Job have? Ten kids. Keep that in the back of your mind. Also, his possessions were 7,000 sheep. How many sheep? 7,000 sheep. 3,000 camels. How many camels? Five hundred yoke of oxen. Five hundred female donkeys. And a very large household. So that this man was the greatest of all the people of the east. Job had a lot of stuff. And he lost it all. But remember what James said. We need to keep in mind the intended end of the Lord. The Lord has an intended end in mind. Say, well, what was it? We'll go to the end of Job. Job chapter 42. And we see part of what God had in mind all along. The very end of the book. Job chapter 42 and verse number 10. Let me let you find it. Job chapter 42 verse number 10. And the Lord restored Job's losses when he prayed for his friends. Indeed the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Now look in verse 12. Now the Lord blessed the latter days of Job... More than the beginning. And so, not only was God not finished with Job, what God had planned for Job in his future was greater than what Job had experienced in the past. And the Bible explains it to us. Look at this. For now he had 14,000 sheep. Can anybody remember how many sheep he had at the beginning? 7,000. Now he's got 14,000. Now, watch this. 6,000 camels. How many camels did he have to begin with? Now he's got twice as many camels. 1,000 yoke of oxen. How many did he have to begin with? Five. Y'all don't know. you just cut it in half, aren't you? you, you just cutting it in half. And 1,000 female donkeys. So for you mathematicians, how many did he have to begin with? Everything doubled. So God was not finished blessing Job. Look in verse 13. He also had seven sons and three daughters. How many does that equal? But how many did he have to begin with? So you would think he would have had 20 here, right? I mean, if the math is going to keep doubling, everything's going to double. But how come his kids didn't double? You know, you study that passage of Scripture. You study it on your own. I've studied that. I believe the answer to that question is, Job did get twice as many kids. He went, he had 10, and he lost 10, and then he got 10 back. You say, well, why didn't he get 20 back? Well, he had 20. His first 10, he didn't really lose them. They just went to heaven early. See, those sheep and camels and oxen, they didn't have a soul, but Job's kids did. And I believe, based on the way Job and his wife had raised their kids, that they were saved in an Old Testament sense. They would put their faith in God. And so they died, and they went to heaven. And so when God was doubling everything that Job had lost, God said, there's no need for him to have 20 kids. He still has 10. I'm just going to give him 10 more and he'll have 20. I will have doubled what he lost, but I won't double it on the earth. I'll just double it in a different way. And so my point is that God was not finished blessing Job. And what I'm trying to say to you tonight is, it doesn't matter what you've been through. God is not finished blessing you. There are still blessings out there in your future. There are some blessings that God withholds from us. Until we're ready for them. And so by the time Job's over here at the end. Getting ten more kids. Getting all these animals. See God has developed his faith. God has developed his praise. God has developed his character. And now when the time was right. Job was in a position to receive. What God had for him next. And God gave out those blessings. So God's not finished blessing you. And the final thing here. And it's so good. God's not finished using you. God's not finished using. You see, God, not only when, when we, James talked about the end intended by the Lord, it wasn't just so that out here on the other end, Job could have 10 more kids, or Job could have all these livestock, or Job could be richer when he died than he was when he was young. Surely the Christian life is, surely there's more to this whole thing than that. God, I lost my job. Okay, here's a better job paying twice as much money. Okay, God, my heart's been broken by this person. Okay, here's another person. Well, I mean, that may be part of it. But surely God has something greater planned for us than just things we would experience on this earth. And He does. God still wants to use us. And He wants to even use us in a greater way. You see, some of you here tonight may be thinking, because of what I've been through, God can't use me. And I would say to you tonight... It's because of what you've been through that God can use you. Because what you have been through is all part of the process that God is using to meek you and to break you and to make you more like Jesus. So that at the end, surely you're going to be better than you were at the beginning and God can use you in a greater way. Now go back in the beginning part of Job chapter 42. The first verse, then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do everything and that no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. You see, Job had gone through a time of questioning. God, why did you allow this? Why this? Why this? Why this? And at the end, after God had spoken to Job, Job says, hey, God, you you know what you're doing. Verse three, you ask, who is this who hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have uttered things, I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Listen, please, and let me speak. You said, I will question you, and you shall surely answer me. Verse 5, Job said, I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now, look at those, say, say those two words with me, but now. You see, at the beginning of this book, Job was saved. He was a saved man. But compared to where he was at the end of this book spiritually, he, he was not nearly as, as mature as he was at the end. Because he basically he's saying, God, before all this stuff happened to me, I knew about you. I believed in you. But maybe my faith was a little bit superficial and a little bit shallow. But now... My eye sees you. Now, he didn't literally mean he had seen God. Nobody had seen God but Jesus. But what he meant was, now, God, I have been able to have an experience with you, a relationship with you, an intimacy with you, a closeness with you. In other words, what Job was really saying, God, at the beginning of this... See, Job didn't even know this was going to be a book one day. But if he did, he could have said, God, at the beginning of this book, I knew you from a distance... But now that it's all over, I know you up close and personal. He said, God, at the beginning of this experience, I had heard about you. I mean, I knew you. We had a relationship. And what Job was saying here in chapter 42 is... God, I'm no longer just hearing about you. I'm no longer just talking about you. God, my eyes have seen you. In other words, God, you have become real to me. And what I'm saying to you tonight is God's not finished using you. Look on in verse 6. Job said, therefore, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. What did he repent of? Well, not some sin that his friends had accused him of. He repented of questioning God. He had questioned God. And at the end, he's saying, God, you know what you're doing. And so it was in verse 7, after the Lord had spoken these words to Job, that the Lord said to Eliphaz, My wrath is aroused against you and your two friends.'" friends. His friends' names were Bildad and Zophar. These were Job's three friends, Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar. And when Job began to have these problems, his friends came to him and said, Job, the reason you're having difficulty and the reason you're having problems and the reason all this has happened is because there's sin in your life. And they were as wrong as they could be. Had nothing to do with it. Nothing to do with sin. And God even says at the end, to Eliphaz, he said, my wrath is aroused against you and your two friends, for you have not spoken of me what is right, as my servant Job has. Now therefore, take for yourselves seven bulls, seven rams, go to my servant Job, and offer up for yourselves a burnt offering. And my servant Job, now watch this, shall pray for you, for I will accept him, lest I deal with you according to your folly because you have not spoken of me what is right, as my servant Job has. In other words, God said to him, take these animals to to Job. Job will pray for you. I'm going to forgive you three for what you've done. But the point is, God was not finished using Job. Think about this. This has been thousands of years since this happened in the Bible. God is still using Job today. In New Testament times, James was reflecting on Job's life and his perseverance and the end intended by the Lord. So God is still using Job. And what I'm saying to you tonight is, whatever you've been through or whatever you're going through, if you'll respond properly, God will continue to use you. And I believe that some of God's greatest things that He's going to do are going to be in your future. Think about all through the think about all through the Bible. People who had been through things. I think about Abraham. He had a problem lying. Lied on more than one occasion. And yet God continued to work with Abraham and God continued to use. Moses committed murder. You say, well, God must have been finished with Moses. No. He put him on the backside of a desert for 40 years to do what? To develop his character and develop his faith, make him more like God. And at the end of that time, God called Moses back into the game. And he said, Moses, I've got something better for you now than I had at the beginning. Lead my people out of Egyptian bondage. I think about David, King David. He i it's some serious sins. Adultery and murder. He broke the sixth and seventh commandment. That's serious business. You say, man, committing sins like that, I bet God certainly finished with him. No, God wasn't finished with him. God disciplined him. God brought him to a place of repentance. But did you know of the 150 Psalms in the Old Testament, David wrote 75 of those Psalms? God wasn't finished with David. I think about Peter. He denied that he even knew Jesus. I mean, God's finished with him. Did you know less than two months after he denied knowing Jesus, he preached the sermon at Pentecost and 3,000 people got saved. Isn't it good to know that God isn't finished with us? He's not finished developing us. He's not finished blessing us. And he's not finished using us. God has great things still planned for your life in the future. And the exciting thing is, if you will respond properly, you'll experience everything that God has planned. I heard someone say many years ago, and I never have forgotten this. It's one of the best statements that I've ever heard in all my life. He said, in your right response, God is glorified. In your right response, God is glorified. That's so true. There's so many things that happen in life that we can't control, but we can always control our response, our attitude. And if we will respond to whatever we may face in life with an attitude of faith that says, hey, God's in control. God's allowed this challenge or this difficulty into my life. God has some good purpose in mind or he never would have allowed it. And we're going to just make a decision to trust God with whatever we're facing. He will take that attitude of faith and he will bless us in great ways. I would say, to you listening today, if you have never asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart to be your Lord and Savior, you need to do that today. Just pray a simple prayer and say, Lord, come into my heart, forgive my sins and make me a Christian. If you'll pray that, He'll answer it and you'll be on the road to God's best for your life. I hope you'll have a great week. Thanks for listening to Peace by Believing. We'll look forward to being with you next time.